Ephesians. This is from Ephesians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. O oh God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. This passage from Ephesians is not actually about war. And I know it's talking about armor, but based on the rest of the book of Ephesians, this author is not meaning us to gear up for literal war. And we have to be careful even if we assume the author is meaning us to gear up for figurative War, Because I repeat that we as Christians are not at war. We are not at war with the world. We are not at war with one another or with other religions. That is not our purpose. Sometimes the Bible compares the struggles of the Christian life to war. But we have to be very cautious when we use that sort of comparison in today's volatile and divisive culture. If we aren't careful with what is often assigned to us as a children's passage, which lends itself to great costumes and visuals, we can wind up spouting some pretty terrible theology, or at best, expressing our theology in ways that turn off other people from the gospel, that make them want to avoid church and all those churchy weirdos found within. It can cause us to get stuck in an us-versus-them mindset that is unhelpful and is unhealthy. We are not here to fight against the world. We are here to help redeem and save the world. One of the reasons we have to be careful with passages like this is that we live in a culture in which one of the top fears for many people is religious extremists, terrorists. And every religion has extremist sects and Sects and extremism hurts people. It hurts people spiritually, it hurts them emotionally, it hurts them physically. The extremists we hear about most in our setting, the ones that are the most talked about nowadays, are Muslim extremists like ISIS, but there are Christian extremists like the KKK and the Irish Republican Army. 
There are Jewish extremists like the ones who seek to push out or wipe out all Palestinians or going back far enough, the ones who killed Jesus. More and more non-Christians, former Christians, and sort of Christians are starting to associate all Christian churches with extremism or fundamentalism, for better or for worse. And if we aren't careful in how we approach passages like this one today, we run the risk of being lumped into that icky pile that nobody wants anything to do with. We are not at war against the rest of the world. We aren't combatants going out to do some sort of fancy special ops missions. Put that imagery aside. It's that sort of interpretation of passages like this that has led toward, or at least contributed to, the justification of violent and unjust removal of Native people from their homes and land, not just here but around the world. It's led to things like the Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition. But the letters to the church that we read in the New Testament, including and especially Ephesians, are full of calls to justice, to peace, to compassion, to familial love. It would be terribly inconsistent for the author here to be literally telling us that because we are Christian, we are the true and holy warriors in the world. Ephesians is about peace and about sharing the gospel. We also need to be careful not to take the idea of spiritual warfare too far out of its scriptural context and into a terrifying Frank Peretti-like literal angels and demons invisibly battling above our heads sort of way. The mid-90s were very strange, were they not? If we file this passage away in the how-to-scare-off-actual-literal-demons drawer, we have just denied ourselves a powerful preparation for daily life, because that is what this passage is actually preparing us for, because that is what most of us are actually going out into. We all have to be cautious about how we use these sorts of metaphors and how literally we take them. Because there's a fine line between understanding daily spiritual protection and seeing ourselves as some sort of holy combatants walking around with swords all the time. Most of us lead pretty normal lives. I can't speak for all of us. Maybe one of you is an angel in disguise or a secret agent, and I don't know about this yet. But most of us do not need to prepare ourselves for war or for some sort of supernatural spooks of some kind. But... We need to prepare ourselves for the drag of boring, everyday life in which boring, everyday things distract us from the gospel. We can get so busy looking for angels and demons in the street, we get duped into idolatry by things far more mundane, like money and safety and apathy. We are normal people trying to live in ways that are faithful to scripture and pleasing to God. And that takes preparation. It takes some special clothing and equipment. It takes a uniform. The author here is using a common visual to help understand that we cannot go outside naked and expect to get very far. This passage is about being prepared because what we're about to do is exhausting. It's hard. It doesn't always make sense. People aren't going to like it. It goes against the grain. It's not the easy path. So, like soldiers, we should go in prepared. 
The author isn't saying we are soldiers. The author is taking a common uniform of the day and using it to illustrate preparedness and purposefulness. Armor goes on after you're up and dressed for the day, but before you head out into the world. These are all the things that we need to make sure we are preparing ourselves with before we head out into the world. But it also implies that there are places in which we should be more vulnerable, places like with our church family, places where we are dressed but not armored. Now, it seems weird to start the armor with the belt because we think of the belt as one of the last things you put on, but this is not talking about a hold-your-pants-up kind of belt here. This belt would have gone uh, with the armor of the time would have been an underlayer of the armor, and it was a leather strap, uh, sort of like our pants-holding belts are, but instead of holding something up, it had hanging from it a metal protective piece that covered the groin. And here, this thing is said to be the belt of truth. As hard as it is to tell the truth sometimes or to hear the truth, real truth is what protects our sensitive areas from being hurt. Real truth, God's truth, is the truth we find in Jesus. Our sensitive parts are protected when we know the truth that we are beloved and precious children of God, that we all have a purpose, that we are all valued. So what is it daily that reminds you of the truth that you are a beloved child of God? What do you do as a daily reminder of that? How do you remember that truth about yourself and about the people around you? Are there physical symbols of God's truth that you wear or keep near you from day to day? Perhaps like a cross that you wear around your neck to remind you of how much Jesus loves you? The breastplate is the part of the armor that protects the vital organs, the liver and the kidneys and the heart. Because as sensitive as the groin is, the heart and the kidneys and all the other internal organs are much more important to survival. So we are told to protect our vital inner being with righteousness. Righteousness, a word in the New Testament, is synonymous with justice. Our hearts are open to attack when we live in unrighteous, sinful, unjust ways. Righteousness and justice are interchangeable words in the Greek scripture. So when we participate in unrighteous or unjust patterns, or when we treat others in unjust ways, we lose part of our internal, vital being. When we ignore injustice around us, our heart is wide open to attack. It's sort of like how the Grinch's selfishness makes his heart too small. Injustice atrophies our hearts. So what is it that daily reminds you to focus your heart on God and God alone so that you might be a seeker of righteousness and justice in the world? Are there physical symbols of a righteous life that you wear or keep near you from day to day? An example of that might be a piece of artwork you keep on your desk to remind you of God so that you can focus on God throughout the day, or perhaps one that is a reminder of Jesus' righteous compassion. Now, along with vital organs, I'm sorry if this is a spoiler, but along with vital organs, we also need to have a head attached to our body. And the helmet would have protected not only the head itself from impact against the head, but it also had a piece that came down over the neck because it's also very important for the head to remain attached 
Having a head is not helpful unless it is still glued down to our body. And our head is the part that makes us who we are. That's where we carry our personality and our smarts and all of that. One of the terrible things that can happen with head injury is that part of the person injured can be lost or damaged for a time being. It can cause loss of memory, change in personality, cognitive disabilities, and much more. And comparatively, we lose or injure part of who we really are without salvation. Jesus came so that we might be able to live as the freed and sanctified people of God who we truly are, who God desires us and designed us to be. Without salvation, we are lost and we do not know who we truly are. So what is it that daily reminds you of the chain-free life that Jesus has brought us all into? Are there physical symbols of salvation that you wear or keep near you from day to day? I recently purchased a bracelet that has a tree of life symbol on it to remind me of the fullness of salvation and true life every time I look at it. Now, you don't want to go out barefoot, so we are offered sandals or shoes, the readiness of the gospel of peace, because this is all about peace. Remember, peace is what keeps us moving around in the world. Without peace, we are hobbled quickly from spreading the gospel. This is a humble reminder that it's not actually about war, after all. It's peace, not war, that brings us growth and freedom of movement. So what are the daily reminders of the gospel of peace that we are called to carry into all the world? Are there physical symbols of peace that you wear or keep near you from day to day? One of my favorite pieces of art is a postcard of a lion and a lamb lying down together, like the passage from Isaiah, representing the radical and different sort of peace that Jesus brings to the world. They are, of course, also given a shield. And this is not so much to protect from direct, up-close blows, but to bounce all the arrows off of. Faith is not what saves us from the up-close and personal problem of our big, ugly sin. That's Jesus' job. But it does help us get through the rain of little stuff that hits us on a regular basis. The shield is often heavy. It's something that we have to work to hold up. A light shield would not be very effective, but it will protect us in the long run. So what is it that daily reminds you of the importance of faith and holding that shield high, even when your arm is tired? Are there physical symbols of faith that you wear or keep near you from day to day? I think that the Epiphany star words that we pass out at the beginning of the year are a great reminder of the slow and steady work of holding up the shield of faith. It's something we have to do, not just something that happens to be there. The act of coming to church week after week, month after month, year after year is also an important and regular representation of faith. The gathered congregation is a beautiful symbol of faith in our lives. We are a shield for one another. And we are handed a weapon, but I want you to notice something very important about this sword. The weapon that we are given in this passage is not something we control. It is the spirit and the word of God. 
Many places in the New Testament, we are told that Jesus is the word of God. Jesus says that himself. The sword is God, is the spirit. We can try to control the word and the spirit, but let me know later how that works out for you if you do. The reason that we have a prayer before the reading of scripture each week in church and even at the beginning of the service before we really get going is because we cannot read and interpret scripture well without turning it over to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses us, not the other way around. And scripture is not like a gun we can aim at someone we want to solve or something we want to solve. The weapon is more like a named sword from a fantasy novel, one that aims and controls the wielder, not the other way around. So what is it that daily reminds you that God is in control and that our job is to serve God, not to control God? Are there physical reminders of the presence of the Holy Spirit that you wear or keep near you on a daily basis? I have little white doves all over both of my church offices as a reminder that I am not in control of any of this. So friends, how do you prepare yourself for daily life? Do an inventory this afternoon of how you keep yourself clothed in the ways of God that lead to peace. Balance out what might be missing. Find ways to remind yourself each day of how we are called to prepare ourselves to be used in the world around us. Go out and arm yourselves for peace. Amen.